If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And we will pick up in verse 26. You can do a large number of things in your sleep that you never thought were possible. Maybe some of you sleepwalk. There's reports of individuals that actually sleep eat, that get up and go to their kitchen and make themselves a snack, eat it, and then get right back in bed without stirring a bit from their sleep. Remember when we had John uh, in the middle of the night, it had been a long labor, and so after they put us in the room and all the visitors, others' parents left, I, I laid down, and I didn't wake up till morning. Didn't look like that, though, because uh, Heather tells me in the middle of the night, uh, the nurses came in, uh, there, there was a question about John's heart, they thought there might have been a problem, there wasn't, but Heather tells me, I, I popped right up, said, yeah, sure, okay, laid right back down. We can do a great many things in our sleep, uh, we, we can give the appearance of activity, uh, when we're passive to the world around us, and, and as we'll see, Jesus' disciples were no different. Luke chapter four, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with two swords and clubs from the chief priests, and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him once and said, Rabbi, 
and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servants of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? But after, day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, oftentimes uh, we are just as asleep as the disciples were in the garden, asleep uh, to the needs that you pay, place before us, asleep to our own uh, spiritual weakness. We pray that we would be awake, that we would be awake to the realities of the gospel, that we would be awake to our need for you, knowing uh, that the day draws closer for the return of your son and that it will be a terrible day for us to be found asleep on that day not doing what you have called us to do and so we pray that you would give us a spirit of alertness and I pray that if there are any in here this morning who have not trusted in Christ for salvation that you would awake in them to their desperate condition that a breath stands before them an eternal judgment in hell and that now now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day that they should wake from their sleep of sin and come to know and trust and serve Christ. And so we pray that you'd work among us this morning through your spirit. For this we pray in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Even before they close their eyes, we see that the disciples are asleep to their own weakness. Jesus, uh, they have observed the Lord's Supper, they have observed Passover, which has now become for us the Lord's Supper, and he has drawn uh, the inner circle, he's drawn the twelve aside to tell them what is soon to take place this very evening. He's going to point to them their own weakness in the face of danger. He tells them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The unbreakable prophecy of Scripture is going to come to pass. They will all scatter. They will all abandon him. And yet, just as he had told his disciples at the beginning of the Passover meal that one of them would betray him, they're not as receptive to the reality of scattering. Jesus gives them these encouragements in light of their weakness. But after I'm raised up, making clear that what is going to happen the next day will not be the end of the story for him. Though they will lay him in a borrowed tomb on the third day, he will rise again, and he's not going to rise and abandon his often faithless followers. He tells them, after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. He knows that they're not only going to abandon him, but they're going to go back home, and they're going to go back to life as business as usual. They're going to go back to the life that they had before Christ, go back to their nets and go back to their boats. 
You know, remember, uh, oftentimes uh, Jesus' disciples had protested that they had left father and mother and home and they had left all behind to follow him. And yet, after he is laid in the tomb, they're, they're going to go back to all those things that they have walked away from. Notice the response to this. Peter, speaking initially for himself, responds in verse 29. Peter said to him, even though, you know, Peter's standing with Jesus, looking at the others, even though they all fall away, I will not. You know, those other ten guys, they might not be reliable. We might not be able to count upon them, Jesus. But you and me, we're in this together. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to abandon you. What a remarkable lack of awareness of what was inside them. Remember the response when Jesus told them that one of them was going to betray him. Verse 18, and as they were reclining at table, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, Peter didn't get up and say, oh, it's definitely not me. I would never betray you. I'm a good disciple. I, I would never betray you, Jesus. What, what, what does Jesus, Peter and the others respond? Well, Mark tells us they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, is it I? So just hours before, Peter and all the disciples had an understanding of their weakness that it could have been any one of them. There was no finger pointing. There was no, well, you know, it could be any one of those 11, Jesus, that's going to betray you, but not me. I'm going to withstand the test. I'm going to be faithful to the end. Somehow, before they closed their eyes in the garden, they were already asleep to their own weakness. Peter says to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Peter, who's going to be the weakest of them all. Peter, who's going to crumble like a house of cards under the questions of a little servant girl. Peter, that's going to call curses down upon himself and leave weeping bitterly over his denial. Peter saying, honestly, it's not me. You're wrong about us, Jesus. Jesus answers him, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. So much for Peter's steadfastness. So much for Peter's grace under pressure. And yet Peter persists. Notice verse 31. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Peter being the good spokesman he was, uh, everyone followed his lead. And they all said the same. All the other disciples, oh no, we would never abandon you. We followed you faithfully for three years, Jesus. I mean, clearly, we thought we could betray you. We thought it might have been one of us, but clearly now that we passed that test, we overcame that hurdle, we're in smooth seas from here on out. You can count on us. They were asleep to their own weakness. You and I, we can become asleep to our own weaknesses. We can be like Peter and the disciples and overestimate ourselves. 
We can overestimate our faithfulness under pressure. We can think of all the things that we could and would do for Christ, and yet when the time of testing comes that we fall far short. You know, if the disciples had had the heart that they had in the upper room at the Lord's Supper, they would have done much better. They would have understood the weakness that was in them. They would have remembered uh, that just as they were capable of betraying him, they were just as capable of walking away from him and leaving him to his suffering. They were asleep to their own weakness. And we too can become asleep to our own weaknesses. We can have a blind spot on those areas that we are not strong in and have a distorted view of who we are and how we deal under pressure. You know, we can think that we're patient people, and yet, you know, we go to the doctor's office and the doctor's delayed because they're doing an operation, and then we can quickly find out that we are not the patient people that we thought we were. You know, we can think, you know, we don't have quick tempers, and yet we could find ourselves in rush hour traffic driving this holiday season and find out, well, you know, I guess I, we do have shorter tempers than we thought. You know, life has a way of waking us to the reality of our weaknesses. Unfortunately, far too often, it's too little too late. Here the disciples are emphatic on their faithfulness and their strength under pressure. And yet, as we see, they crumble because they're asleep to their weakness. Not only are they asleep to their own weakness, as becomes abundantly clear as the evening progresses, they are asleep to the needs of Christ. So Jesus tells his followers that they're going to that they're going to deny him, that they're going to abandon him, they're going to forsake him, they're going to leave him alone. He's going to suffer in isolation on Calvary's brow, bearing your sins and mine. And in preparation for that, Jesus draws aside with his three most devoted followers, Peter, James, and John, to pray. Which brings us verse 32. They came they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Hey, guys, I'm coming to pray because I am bowed down under the pressure of what I am going to undergo. He's about to drink the cup of God's wrath. He's about to taste death for everyone. He is about to bear the chastisement that brought us peace with God. And he asks one simple request of Peter, James, and John. Hey, can you guys stay awake and watch? Can you make sure no one comes while I'm praying? Can you watch out for me? Some translations say that it's keep awake. Watch and keep awake, and one requires the other. You know, some of you have been in the military. You, you know what watch duty's like. You know, if you're caught asleep on watch duty, 
You're not doing what you're supposed to, and you're not going to hear good things about that. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if there, it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus in his humanity is submitting himself to the will of the Father. He's submitting himself to the cruel agony that is going to undergo, that he is going to undergo through his trial, through his torture, through his crucifixion. He is going to drink the cup of bitterness. He's going to drink a cup of wrath. He is praying and submitting himself to the will of the Father. And while he is pouring out, he is sweating drops of blood. He is weeping under the weight that he is going to be our sin-bearing substitute. What are his best friends doing? He comes to him. Verse 37, he came. So he prays. Finishes praying. He goes out to them. He goes to Peter, James, and John, and he came, and they're not on watch. He walks right up to them. They're asleep. Jesus is pouring out his heart and soul in agony because he is about to die for their sins. He is about to die the death not he deserves, but the death that they deserve. All he needed was them to stay awake and watch out for them. They couldn't even keep their eyes open. We won't deny you. We're going to be faithful to the end. But don't count on us when you need us. Don't count on us to stay awake at the most critical moment. This is the most critical moment. Judas is already gone. Any moment they know that the betrayer is going to come. They know it's going to happen. They know that danger hangs overhead. And yet, they're asleep to the need of Christ. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Now imagine that he was very intentional in singing, singling out Peter here. You know, Peter with his bravado, with even though they all fall away, I will not. Come on, Peter. You can't even stay awake, and you're going to tell me you're not going to fall away. You're going to tell me that you're going to withstand the test, and you couldn't even pass the test of keeping your eyes open. Well, I prayed for a little bit. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? You couldn't stay awake an hour, and you're going to tell me, Peter, that you're this steadfast pillar that I can count on. Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He gives them an additional task. Not only are they to watch and keep awake, but they are also to pray so that they would not enter into temptation. The temptation of abandoning Christ is drawing ever 
closer and Jesus gives them the way out. He gives them uh, the, the great defense against temptation. Watch and pray. This is true for us as well. We have just as great a need to watch and pray that we may not enter into temptation. It says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, they might have been asleep to their weakness. Jesus was not. He's not asleep to our own weakness. He is aware of our weaknesses. He, know, he knows our infirmities. He knows that on our own, isolated, that we would give in to temptation every time. And yet he has given us the escape of watching and praying that we would not fall into temptation. Tells them what they need to do. He goes and prays again. Verse 39. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you've been up for over 24 hours? You know, they've had a long day. It's been an emotional day. They've celebrated the Lord's Supper with Jesus. I mean, it's been a very intense week for them. There are times uh, when just the stress of life just wears away at us. They can't even keep their eyes open. Reminds me of that Mr. Bean sketch where he's trying to hold his eyes open in church because he's falling asleep. Or maybe if you're an Andy Griffith fan oh, and Barney's trying to keep awake at church and uh, the preacher's going, slow down. Everyone's in a hurry. They're doing here. Jesus comes out, finds them asleep. They, they nudge themselves awake. Okay, God, yeah, Jesus, we're awake. We'll stay awake. You can count on us now. Their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer. He goes away. He prays again. He comes back, verse 41, and he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping? And taking your rest, it is enough. The hour has come. Not only were they asleep to the knees of Christ, all the gospel writers are 100% clear that Jesus had asked them to watch, He had asked them to pray, and all they did was sleep. They were asleep to the knees of Christ. We might say to ourselves, well, thank goodness we don't have to stay up with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, thankfully that all that's done and passed. But we can be asleep to the needs of Christ. We might be thinking to ourselves, what, what, how would we be asleep to the needs of Christ? In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew tells us that there is going to be a great judgment. There's going to be a great separation on the judgment day, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep are going to be on his right and the goats on the left. And he's going to say to the goats that because they did not visit him when he was sick, that they did not care for him when he was in prison, that they're going to be cast out into the outer darkness. They're going to ask, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in need? When did we see you in prison? You're, you're in heaven. You don't get sick. You're never going to be imprisoned again. When would you have needed anything from us? What's Jesus going to say to those on his left? What you did not do to the least of these, my brothers, you did not do unto me. When we are asleep 
to the needs of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We are asleep to the needs of Christ. What we do for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we do for Christ. And far too often, if we're honest with ourselves, we're no better than the disciples. Our brothers and sisters in Christ need us to pray for them, and what do we do? We snooze our life away. We're, we're asleep on our feet. You know, we might go through the motions of life, and the motions of Christianity, but we're often asleep to the great needs of the world. Now, how often do we pray for, you know, we, we might pray for someone who's ill. How often do we lift up our missionaries overseas? How often do we lift up those who are laboring for the cause of Christ uh, at great risk, placing their life on the line so uh, that the Lamb of God would receive the reward of his suffering? Oftentimes, we're just asleep to those things. We let the cares and concerns of the world become like a white noise to us that lulls us off into a sleepwalk of life. Jesus looks at his disciples, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. You've had enough sleep. It's wake-up time. If you're a believer in Christ, it's wake-up time. What does Paul say in Ephesians? Awake, O sleeper, arise, and Christ will shine on you. What does Paul tell the church of Romans? That they're to wake from their sleep. Because the hour... It's closer now since we first believed. The day is drawing near. Jesus warns us of the danger of being asleep at His coming. Remember the parable of the virgins with their lamps? Some of that use all their oil up. They burn their lamps out and they fall asleep and they're asleep when the bridegroom comes. We don't want to be asleep to His needs. They're asleep to their danger. Not only are they asleep to their weakness, but they're also asleep to their own danger. Are you still sleeping, taking rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You know, somehow, in their tiredness, they forgot that there was a great danger drawing near. Jesus had told them, one of you is betraying me this evening. Did you guys forget that? Did you guys forget that they're trying to kill me? And I've told you that if they hated me, they're going to hate you also. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by... You know, tradition tells us uh, that Mark is getting his account of what happened from Peter. I kind of imagine, as Peter's telling Mark this, okay, could you not mention me by name here? I mean, I already look really bad. Can you not mention me by name here? 
mean, you, you can tell about how I said I wasn't going to fall away and all that other part, but, but can you at least let me save some dignity here? We know it's Peter. The other gospel writers make it clear it's Peter. One of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was teaching you in the temple and teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. The scriptures were fulfilled. We're told that in the other Gospels that Jesus had asked his disciples if they had a sword, and they said two. He said, it is enough. And the purpose of that was so that he would be numbered among the transgressors. Or they could say, oh, look, he's a rebel. He's an armed rebel. Look at him. He's got two swords. He's ready to start a violent insurrection. He's trying to overthrow Rome. It was in the only scripture that was fulfilled. Remember, Jesus had told his disciples that they were going to betray him. Not betray him, but abandon him. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. They were asleep to their great danger. Because their shepherd was going to be struck. Their shepherd is struck. He's taken into custody. And they scatter. Verse 50, and they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Everyone ran away. Everyone abandoned him. Remember what, in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells the crowds that, that unless they eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, they can have no part of him. And it's a hard saying, so many of the crowd, that they abandon him. Jesus turns to Peter and says, will you go away also? What does Peter say? Where else shall we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. See, in running away from Christ, they were running away from the one who had the words of eternal life. They were running away from their shepherd. They were putting themselves in greater danger. You know, there, there are many things in this life uh, that try to tug us away from our relationship with Christ. All these distractions that we have. You know, we live in a day and age of distractions. Distractions that generations before us could not imagine. You know, imagine telling somebody who lived at the turn of the 20th century uh, that you, you could have something in your pocket this size that you could carry with you and that you could watch movies. First off, they'd say, what is a movie? Imagine telling somebody in the 1920s, oh, you know those reel-to-reel -reel projectors that you have? Yeah, you, you can watch those in your pocket. You know that big old radio with transistor tubes that you have in your living room uh, that uh, has a nice warm radiating heat to it because it pulls so much electricity to make sound? You can carry that in your pocket. You know that phone, that party line where everyone in the neighborhood can listen to your phone calls? Yeah, you, you can carry that in your pocket. 
We live in a day and time that we're not aware of the danger of being scattered away from our shepherd. But we face that danger just as much. Our safety as sheep, we're weak sheep. We are not in a position of strength in this life. We are not in a position of strength in this world. We are sheep. He is our shepherd. We desperately need Him. And when we are encouraged, either by the voice of the enemy to flee Him, or by the distractions of the world, uh, and we find it true in our hearts that we are prone to wander and prone to leave the God we love, that's when we're in our greatest danger. Mark it. Mark it well. The, the more your life deviates from your relationship with Christ, you, the more danger you find yourself in. So you might think uh, that the disciples here, they thought their greatest danger was physical. You know, man, I, I, who wants to go to prison? The moment of testing came and their, their character in the moment was shown. They did not want to go to prison. They did not want to face torture. They did not want to face death. Remember, G- Jesus has not been a soft sell on this. You know, he hasn't said, come and follow me and you, you, everything's going to be really great. You know, we're going to have it so easy. We're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to set up my palace and you guys are going to have your own lesser palaces and we're just going to lay on nice sofas and we're going to eat grapes and it's going to be nice and easy. That's not been the sell for the ministry of Jesus. Remember, three times in leading up to going to Jerusalem, what has he told his disciples that was going to happen? He was going to be betrayed. He was going to be arrested by the chief priest and the religious leaders. He was going to be mocked. He was going to be abused. He was going to be tortured. And he was going to be handed over to the Romans and put to death. Repeatedly, he's told them that. The disciples initially rejected it. Remember Peter? Far be it, Lord, that you should suffer. Now Peter's like, you're not going to get a big crowd with this crosstalk. This dying and agony and suffering. Uh, Nobody wants to follow that. Let's put that on the back burner. The disciples thought the greatest danger was physical when the greatest danger was spiritual and finding themselves separated from Christ and bringing sin upon themselves. Now next week we're going to see Peter's denial You see how it ends. He broke down and wept. He wept bitterly, as some of the gospel writers put it. The greatest danger isn't that our physical comforts would be compromised. The greatest danger isn't that we're going to die. What does Paul say in Philippians when he faces imminent death at the hands of Rome? But he desires to depart and be with Christ. He's hard-pressed whether to remain or to go be with Christ, to die for Christ. No, the greatest danger that we face isn't physical, it's spiritual, it's compromising ourselves uh, to stay alive. We live in a day and and time when we, we may well face 
Not necessarily the same test the disciples face. We're not in a garden with Jesus. We don't have to watch and pray. We don't have to worry about one of the twelve again betraying him. There's all the other little areas that our character will be tested. Right now in our own country, uh, think of the issues of marriage and the compromise that's going on there. The quote-unquote Respect to Marriage Act. We might be tested and whether we're going to remain true to the Word of God. Whether we're going to trust Christ through it all. You notice Peter wasn't coming out of a point of trust when he pulls out his sword. He doesn't whip out his sword to cut off an ear because he likes Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan had nothing to do with whipping out swords and cutting off ears. Now, Peter's trying to stop it. Now, this is Peter who did not want Christ to be crucified. This is a Peter who told, who was rebuked with Jesus, Depart from me, Satan. See, we know that God has a bigger plan. He's in control. He was in control. He never lost control uh, on this evening. It's not as if uh, Jesus is praying to his father in Gethsemane and saying, Father, you know, things have really gotten out of hand. Father, did you hear Judas betrayed me? Uh, and now he's bringing the chief priest and the guard uh, and they're going to arrest me? And I think that the Romans might kill me. It was the plan. We know that God has a plan for history and it's going to unfold. If you don't believe me, I spend some time in Revelation. He has a plan. He knows how it's going to end. Our God, is, he says in Isaiah, declares the end from the beginning. And so we might be tempted in our own day and time to either compromise on one hand, to compromise our Christian convictions, you know, re- regarding marriage, and not just marriage, but the exclusivity of Christ, there is one way to heaven, and that is through faith in Christ. Or, we might be tempted to try to take things into our own hands. There's great danger in that. We, we unlike the disciples, need to trust His plan. We need to trust ourselves in our weakness and our failings. Not, not to think, okay, we're going to take things in our own hands and trust in our own selves and our own ability to uh, fix everything. We need to entrust ourselves to God. We, like the disciples, are weak. You and I have weaknesses that even now we're completely unaware of. You know, a weakness, th- think of structural integrity. You know, when a bridge collapses, no, nobody thinks, oh, oh, of course it was going to collapse. The weakness only makes itself known uh, at a point of no return. And so we understand that we have weaknesses like the disciples uh, that could bring us to ruin. And so the answer to our weakness isn't to sleep away, you know, cover up with our blankets and slumber away spiritually to our weakness, slumber away spiritually to the needs 
that Christ has set before us in the world slumber away at the danger that we face. Now, when your fire alarm, if your fire alarm goes off in the middle of the night, you don't think to yourself, oh, let's pull the covers on tighter. At least I'm going to be warm. You wake up. Christ has given us his alarm. We know the hour that we are in. We know that we must be awake. We know we must be alert. We know that while we do not stand in Gethsemane, we face a greater danger of being asleep when our Lord comes, asleep to our weakness, asleep to the needs before us, asleep to the danger that faces us. Remember, he has told his followers in the Olivet Discourse that they're going to face persecution. Oftentimes we think of things like that and we think, you know, that's something I left behind. You know, persecution of Christians. That had never happened to us. There are more Christians in China than in the United States, and yet this is happening to them right now. I get Voice of the Martyrs magazine all the time. New pastors in China thrown in prison. not be asleep to our danger. Let us not be asleep to our need of Christ. Let us be awake. Let us be alert. I tell you, if you're not a believer in Christ, you're the most asleep person in the room. You're asleep to coming judgment because He is coming. He has come the first time to die for our sins. He has come the first time to drink the cup of God's wrath, to taste death for everyone. But I tell you, if you're not a believer in Christ, He is not coming again to drink the cup of wrath again or to taste death again. He is coming to pour out wrath on those who have refused the offer of the gospel. The one who is coming again now says through His word, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and find rest in your soul. He invites you to wake up to your sin, your misery, and need for Him, and to trust in Him, and to find in Him your all in all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. And I pray that if there are any who are asleep to their need for Christ, that You would awaken them that they would be aware this morning that it is one breath that separates them between living and standing before you in judgment and that they face the greatest danger of all if they die without faith in your Son, without receiving the free offer of pardon from the gospel because they live currently condemned and they will die condemned and I pray that you would waken them for we who are your people awaken us to our weakness let us not have a sleepy self-confidence about ourselves but may we understand indeed that the spirit is willing but our flesh is weak we carry so much weakness about us in this earthly life. And may we be awake to that and ever draw near in prayer to guard against temptation. As we know that in this world, temptations will come, temptations to compromise, temptations to try to put our own plan and kingdom in place as opposed to yours. 
And so we pray that we would be awake to our need for you. For this we pray in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.